well, hey, this is Eric. I'm one of the ministers at Regency. I just wanted to thank you for checking out this message. We're praying that God uses this message to draw your heart closer to Him. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we want to invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. If you'd like to find out more information about Regency or to check out some other resources, visit our website at regencycc.org. So last week, uh, we got to do something pretty cool. We got to go to Searcy, Arkansas, and our family got to go to my parents' house. And that was special and fun because uh, we usually do that once or twice a year, but it had been since New Year's Day 2020 that we had all gotten together again. So we got to get together, and our family tradition is every New Year's we do this whole day of eating fondue together. And so uh, it's really fun, and we kind of had our New Year celebration on Memorial Day weekend. And so it was a great time of just getting to hang out with family. Um, and my nieces were there, and so we played a lot of board games together, and there's this one game that we played together, and it's going to sound a little nerdy, because it kind of is, but the game is called Mind Trap, and here's what the game is. It's basically these riddles, and I don't really know how to play the game. All we really do is we just take the cards out, and we, we read these riddles and try to answer them together, and so this morning... I wanted to present to you a couple riddles and see if you can get the answer. So don't shout the answer out loud, but if you know it, maybe whisper it to the person next to you. So here's the first riddle for you this morning. You can't keep this until you have given it. You can't keep this until you have given it. Any ideas of what this is? Well, the answer is your promise, your promise. You get it? Okay. All right, here's the next one. I'm not hearing any like, ah, or anything like that. That's okay. All right, here's the next one. It starts out tall, but the longer it stands, the shorter it grows. What is it? You know what it is? All right, the answer is a candle. A candle, okay. Hopefully that one makes sense. Well, I've got another riddle for you. And this riddle, this mystery, uh, is... I think taken from our passage we're going to look at today and kind of put into our own words. And so there is a riddle that I want us to solve by the end of the lesson today. And so here's what it is. What is unknown, now known, two, now one, weak, yet strong? What is unknown, now known, two, now one, weak, yet strong? So one of the things that I like about riddles or, or just mysteries in general, maybe it's a, a television show that's got this ongoing mystery and I'm just, I, you know, the episodes ends and then you want to go to the next episode to find out the answers that you need for this mystery. Or maybe a movie and there's some plot twist at the end and you're like, ah, that makes so much sense now. There's this feeling, this like aha moment of, wow, that's what the answer is. That's great. That's really cool. And so for what we're going to look at today... There is a mystery that's presented to us in Ephesians chapter 3 that I want us to solve together. Now, we've been going through the book of Ephesians for the past few weeks, and we've covered a decent bit of ground. Now, if you remember, chapters and verses, these things were added later, and the church read these for hundreds of years without them. 
And so this was just a letter with a distinct flow of thought. And so kind of recapping what we've covered so far, we had our introduction, with the, which was the first couple of verses. And then chapter 1, verse 3 through 14, was this prelude, which was really just this celebration of all that God has done for us. And this invitation to, for us to join in the worship of God with a big picture overview of everything that God has done. And then in chapter 1, verse 15 through 21, we get this prayer and this thesis statement that Jesus is the most powerful person in the universe and that he has exercised his power to save and to bring salvation to all who believe. And so it's a pretty big statement. And so Paul follows that up in chapter 2 with some proofs of how this is true. Paul knows he has to prove this. And so the first proof that he gives in chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, is how do we know that Jesus has that much power to bring salvation? Well, he takes people who are dead and he brings them back to life. People that are alienated from God, people that are in bondage to sin, people that can't do the right thing, people that are headed towards judgment, and he reverses course by grace through faith, not based on their own effort. And then his second proof that Jesus has this much power to do this. In chapter 2, verse 11 through 22, not only does he reconcile us as individual sinners to the God who made us, but he does so in community and he calls us together in community where he overcomes the hostility that exists first through Jews and Gentiles and then at a broader level between different types of people. It's overcome in the peace that Christ brings us. So now as we get into chapter 3 of Ephesians, He'll turn his attention to a third proof. And so when you get to the end of chapter 2, it all sounds sounds pretty wonderful. It all sounds great. This idea of dead people coming back to life. The idea of communities that are hostile towards one another, maintaining peace. One might even say that it's it's a little bit impressive. I mean, let's be for real. Like, if this is real, this is very impressive. But we have a problem. And the problem that Paul is fully aware of is that Paul himself is not entirely in a very impressive situation himself when he writes this great letter of celebration. And so that's something that has to be accounted for because Paul is in jail. Paul's in prison. House arrest, actually. But he's still under guard. He can't go freely where he wants to go. No one one thinks that that is a cool thing. No one's going, hey, that guy who's in house arrest, that guy with that ankle bracelet, I want to follow that guy. That's a guy who's got a lot going on. That's a guy whose message is definitely something I'm going to believe in. Nobody, nobody thinks that way. Nobody in the ancient world thought that way. Nobody today would think that that would be a cool thing to follow. And so as Paul goes into Ephesians chapter 3, he knows that he has to answer for this question. And in the midst of him answering why this is actually something that points to a great truth, he also presents a mystery that needs to be solved. What is unknown, now known. Two, now one. Weak, yet strong. And so in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is about to say a prayer for the believers, but he interrupts himself to marvel at this mystery. And so let's look together in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. In verse 1, Paul says this, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, and then there's this dash, kind of stops for a second. This tells that Paul takes a detour. His train of thought returns in verse 14 later where he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, but before he prays, which we're going to look at next week, he speaks of a mystery revealed which is the first part of our 
riddle that we're going to look at together. So that first part is this. What is unknown now known? And so we get insight into this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2 through 5. Here's what this passage says. It says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Paul is writing to the believers at Ephesus, and he begins in verse 2 by explaining his job description. He is an administrator. Paul is an administrator of grace. The Greek word for administration, it means to manage a household. Now, most of us need to manage our own households. We don't have somebody else doing that for us. We do it ourselves. But Paul is the one God has called to manage the household of grace. To share grace with those that are lost in sin. And so Paul is saying that this mystery is a mystery of grace. And so there's a hint. There's a clue at what our solution is. When God has made what was unknown known, it clearly shows his amazing grace. When God reveals the mystery through Christ Jesus, we say, wow, that's grace. That's amazing. And so Paul actually tells us that God has withheld this mystery from previous generations. He says that in verse 5. And that means the believers who came before Paul and the people of the Old Testament, they didn't fully understand. God hinted at this mystery throughout the Old Testament. And when God promised to bless the father of the Israelite people, Abraham, in one of the first chapters of the Bible, he hinted at this mystery. And so let's look together. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, says this, it says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Then later, when the prophet Zechariah prophesied to Jerusalem after the exile, God was hinting at it once more. And Zechariah chapter 2, verse 11, says, Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you, and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. God is going to work through the people of Israel, through the Israelites, to bless the whole world. It's through Christ Jesus and the New Testament apostles and prophets that we receive the answer. And so this question of what is unknown now known, it's really just another way of saying what was a mystery, God has now revealed. God has told us the answer to the mystery, and the answer is going to show us his grace. The answer to this mystery that Paul is talking about is going to very clearly demonstrate God's grace. This past week as well, after we went to Arkansas, we then went to Huntsville to see my brother and to spend a couple days at his house. And there was this one point where I was driving separately from everyone else. I had to go somewhere else for a little while. And I get there and I, my, my phone, I need a new phone. It's had a little trouble and the battery died on my phone. And it also wouldn't charge. And I realized I am entirely dependent on the GPS of my phone. And I have no idea how to get back to my family. And so I'm sitting in my car in the parking lot. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do? And eventually I ask someone for help. But I don't know the address of where I need to go. I just kind of have an idea of where I need to get back to that's kind of familiar 
And so I tell this person where I need to go, and they very graciously decide to let me follow them. And so we leave this parking lot, but we are not going in the same direction that I came in. And so I'm starting to get a little panicky again. And so we're driving for a while, and it feels like it's taking a long time. And we start taking these kind of back roads, and I'm thinking to myself, where is this person taking me? And eventually, though, we come out to a main road in an area that I recognize and that looks familiar. And I remember thinking to myself, as we pull out into this area and as I wave to this kind person who has helped me, like, ah, I know where I am. This looks familiar to me. I know where we are. And we had driven, we had driven these back roads to get to the place that I needed to go. I believe that's kind of what Paul is doing here. He's driving the Ephesians. He's driving all of us believers. But he's taking us through kind of these, these back roads, these places that look unfamiliar to bring us somewhere where we can have this realization, okay, I get it now. This is what he's talking about. And eventually it's going to get to a place where Paul is going to show us something that should make things click. It should register with us. This is what Paul is trying to say. And so going on to the next part here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, we get the next part to our riddle. What is 2, now 1? Well, verse 6, we get the answer to Paul's mystery. Paul reveals the answer in this verse. He says this, This mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, two becoming one, two now one, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. You see, the Jews and Gentiles are becoming one, a new people. Paul told us about this mystery earlier. In chapter 1, Ephesians 1, verse 18, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Paul is saying, you Gentiles, you non-Jewish people, you get to share in the riches of God's holy people, the people of Israel. Paul speaks again about this in chapter 2, verse 13. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You non-Jews who once were far away because of holiness laws can now be brought near through the holiness of Christ Jesus. Paul speaks of the answer more in Romans 11 and Galatians 13. Uh, Galatians 3 it says in Romans 11, verse 25 through 26, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. And then in Galatians 3, 28 and 29, it says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so if you haven't figured it out already, the answer to our riddle, to our mystery, can you guess what it is? What is unknown, now known, two, now one, weak yet strong? The answer is the church. The church is the answer to this mystery. God promised the church in the Old Testament and revealed it in the New Testament. The church is made up of Jews and Gentiles who believe in Christ Jesus. Instead of Jewish people being saved one way by keeping the law and commandments, which they could not do, they're saved through faith in Christ Jesus. Instead of Gentile people being saved by doing good works or living moral lives, which we could not do, 
We are saved by faith in Christ Jesus. And together, we become one new people. We become the church. And so this is a blessing that we get to receive. And the only way that this mystery gets revealed this way is because of God's grace. In verse 6, Paul uses an illustration of the body. He loves using this as his analogy. And in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, it's clear what the mystery is, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, sharers in the promise in Christ. And so Paul is leading us to this point to recognize that we not only have reconciliation with God and the gospel of grace, but we have reconciliation with one another because of God's grace. So this is the mystery This amazing plan that God has predestined before time had began. That all people, every tribe, every nation, every tongue would have access to the promises of God that's found in Christ Jesus. And Paul points us to the reality that God has brought this to light. This magnificent reality of grace. But it was hidden in the ages before this. And so part of what Paul wants us to do is to draw a conclusion about the unfolding of God's plan. What is unknown, now known. What is two, now one. He is talking about the church. And so in this last part, Paul tells us what God is going to do through the church. The last part of our mystery, this what is weak yet strong, we get in verse 7. So let's look there together in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. It says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Listen to what Paul says about himself. It's strange to hear Paul, of all people, say this about himself. But in verse 8, he says, Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Verse 10. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Some translations say boldness, right? Because of this grace that's offered us, everyone, everyone, is allowed to approach God with boldness, freedom, confidence. And then in verse 13, Paul again talking about himself, he says, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Paul's job has been to make this mystery known. That's his job. Make this mystery known. And the mystery of this, that God's grace is not just for a certain group of people. God's grace is not just for the Jewish people, but the Gentile people as well. Back in verse 1, Paul said he is a prisoner. And then here in verse 8, he calls himself the least of all the Lord's people. And then in verse 13, he says he is suffering. And so we see this about Paul. Paul is weak. Paul is broken. But Paul is also strong in Christ. He's weak, yet strong. Paul is a model for us, the church. And so let's zero back in on verse 10. It says, His intent was that now through the church, through us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God is using us. God is using the church. He's using the broken, the sad, the disunified, the sinful, the weak 
in order to make this mystery known to the world around us. And so I want to point out as we wrap up here, we are called to the same thing that Paul is called to. As the church, we're called to make the mystery known as well. When we hear a good riddle or a good story or there's a show and it's got this great plot twist or this thing you've been waiting to know the answer to and we want other people to know about it, we share that with people. We post about it on Facebook. We let people know about this thing that other people need to hear about. We tell it. Is there someone Christ would like us to share Jesus with, but we haven't yet? Christ wants to empower us as the church in our weakness to make known his mystery. Usually, we tell ourselves, hey, when I get stronger, I'll talk to that person. When our relationship is stronger, or when I know my Bible stronger, or when the timing is stronger, then I'll do it. What if Jesus wants to use us in our weakness? We have this amazing opportunity that we get to do what Paul gets to do. We get to help make the mystery known, the unknown known, that everyone is allowed an opportunity to receive God's grace. This morning, maybe you're here and you need to understand this. Maybe you need God's grace in your life. Maybe you kind of have felt for a while that that's not something offered or available to you, that your sin is too great. Well, God's grace is offered to anyone and everyone who wants to be a part of it. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to respond to the invitation of Jesus Christ and allow him to work in your life and to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Maybe you need the prayers and encouragement of the believers here at Regency. We want to offer you that opportunity. Whatever we can do for you, whatever ways we can encourage you, won't you come now as together we stand and sing.